You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. In his recent State of the Union address, President Trump declared, Here in the United States, we are alarmed by new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence, not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. Recently, in the United States Congress was elected members of the Democratic Party who openly call themselves socialists. Socialism would seem for the better part of the last 80 years as being a foreign concept in the United States seems to have come roaring back in a big way. And along with describing themselves as socialists, they are pushing policies like a Green New Deal and Medicare for Everyone to help us understand what the American people think about these issues We are privileged to have as our guest pollster and strategist, John McLaughlin. John was on the Trump team in 2016 and predicted a Trump victory. John, welcome to our podcast. And can you answer the question, do Americans support socialism? No, they don't. But there's a growing uh, minority of Americans who do. And in our recent poll for uh, uh, for Ginny Thomas's group, uh, United United in Purpose uh, sponsored some poll results that were distressing to those of us who, you know, remember what it was like where there was a Cold War and you had communism, socialism, and uh, uh, they had, you know, they clearly didn't support individual liberty or freedom, and it, and and it was a much different world. But it seems that uh, younger voters and, and people in the 21st century have forgotten this. Because when we asked which of these are true about socialism, and these results, Alan, as you know, as a member of the crowdsources group, it's on our website on mclaughlinonline.com. And the survey was completed on March 24th. And when we asked them which of these are true about socialism, and we gave them a series of descriptions. Uh, the leading response was that it was controlling 41%, that government controls the means of production 41%. We took multiple answers. It meant less individual liberty, 36%. And it meant that there were limited, no property rights, uh, or limited property rights, 31%. And those are answers that you'd expect, but they weren't as high as we expected. And in contrast, we had other responses where we said great, it meant greater economic equality, which was 21%, or that it was better for more people, 20%. Uh, and, and those responses went up among Democrats, where Democrats were saying that socialism means greater economic uh, equality, 34%, and that it's better for people, 32%. And the answers that it uh, was controlling dro- uh, dropped among Democrats to 17%, and that it, the government controlled the means of production only was 21%. 
In contrast, Republicans, um, they said 58% it's, uh, controls the means of production, 61% controlling. And independents tended to agree with Republicans, uh, where 47% controlling, 45% government controls the means of production. And uh, 44% said less individual liberty. And property lines meant something to them, where that rose among that group to 39%. And as you said in your opening remarks, Alan, the president uh, in his State of the Union says America will never be a socialist country. And I told him in a subsequent concert, uh, conversation, because I did, I had polled from him in the past and I've spoken with him recently. We'll be working for this campaign again. But I told him that was the most important line of a tremendous State of the Union speech because those people that have watched the speech, the president's numbers improved and the vast majority approved of the policies that he prescribed in that. But clearly it was defined about that uh, it was socialism versus uh, freedom and free market capitalism. And, and those voters who approved the job that President Trump is doing, which was 49% of our most recent poll on March 24th, which actually was done right before the Mueller report was really released. Uh, but if you approve the, the way the president, the job he's doing, 57% said socialism means controlling the means of production. 60% means it's controlling. 52% said it less individual liberty. 45% says it means that there's uh, limited or no property rights. In contrast, those voters that disapprove the job that the president's doing, which is an equal amount, um, the two greatest answers were 33% saying greater economic equality, 33%, and better for more people, 33%. So what's going on inside the electorate is there you have uh, this mixed perception about socialism, and it really is generational, where, uh, where voters who are, uh, are younger um, where, where if they're under 40, they were more likely to say that uh, uh, they were more likely, or even even younger, let's go to the 18 to 29-year-olds. 18 to 29-year-olds were more likely to say that, uh, thir- you know, even though 39% said it was government controlling the means of production, you had 36% saying it meant uh, greater economic uh, uh, equality, and, and you had 30% um, we're saying less individual liberty. So this idea of equality and sacrifice of liberty picks up with the younger voters. And 29% of these younger voters were saying it's better for people, while older voters are more likely to say that it's not. And uh, they did a second follow-up question to that, which was just easiest to compare straight out to compare where it says, do you agree or disagree with the following statement that socialism is fair than free market capitalism? 54% disagreed that socialism is fairer than free market capitalism. But 31% agreed. And of those who agreed with that statement, uh, it was Democrats, 50 to 31, they agreed that socialism is, socialism is fairer than free market capitalism. And among liberals, it was 61 to 29 that they agreed that it's fairer than free market capitalism. And among those that disapproved the job the president's doing, it was 42 to 40. In contrast, if you approve the job that the president's doing, you say, you disagree with that statement, 68 to 21, you say, you believe free market capitalism is fair. 
Republicans believe free market capitalism is fair, 72 to 16. Independents believe it's fair, 62 to 26. And you also had a generational divide where uh, those voters, uh, again, those voters who are, I guess the biggest split would be with those who are under, under uh, uh, 40, where, where when they were in, which is more fair, um, it was 43% said that socialism was more fair for the under 40 voters, 41 disagreed. But over four years old, 60% disagreed with the state and believe uh, free market capitalism is more than only 26% agree. So it appears that, that there's a sea change going on in the 21st century in America where people are now thinking socialism is fairer and more acceptable and that rises among younger voters, it rises among Democrats, it rises among liberals, and it rises among those who disapprove of Trump which means that it's going to define the Democrat primaries and it's going to define the general election in November of 2020. So while the Democrats, you know, certainly have Bernie Sanders as one of their front runners, and they have aspiring socialists in terms of uh, whether it's Elizabeth Warren or uh, Kamala Harris or, uh, uh, you know, even AOC, who's too young to run for president, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, you have a situation where the Democrat nominee is likely to be someone who favors socialism, as you talked about, whether it's the Green New Deal or uh, Medicare for All, or where, uh, or even when it comes to uh, uh, the idea of your own personal income and having control of your life. Uh, they're thinking that it's okay for the government to make those decisions, while older voters and Republicans and Trump voters and independents uh, disagree with that. And uh, so this could be a watershed election in terms of the future of the United States where it's going to be a battle over is socialism fair or free market capitalism fair and what's better for the United States. And ironically, in this same survey, the majority of Americans say that the economy is getting better, not worse. And, and uh, that's to the credit of the president. So, the numbers, as I said, are all on the website. John, uh, do you uh, put on your hat in terms of being a an advisor to President Trump? Do you think that his taking on socialism very in a very upfront fashion, the way he did in the State of the Union, is the way? for him to go to challenge these ideas in a very forthright and strong fashion? Or do you think that uh, it's wiser to pull back and, um, and have a more or less emotional uh, conversation about socialism versus uh, freedom, versus free markets, versus capitalism? Uh, I th it's definitely a beneficial uh, uh, contrast. It's a, it's a productive conflict for him to have. It's a, it's a good way to define the election. It helps him because it goes to the core of who he is. I mean, Donald Trump is someone who reflects what America is all about, that if you work hard, you can succeed. And he defines, his whole life has been defined by hard work. 
and uh, uh, when you think of, you know, when you it, when you think of his character, he's somebody who voters will tell tell you whether they like him or not. They'll say tell you he's very direct, tells it like it is. That's his style. For those of us from New York who understand it, we we understand that. But but really, the idea that if you work for it and earn it, it's yours. And if you and if the idea that the the, the other idea is that it's an opposition to us, that the government should control it and allocate to you um, what the government wants to give you is, is the opposition here. And uh, um, that's a, you know, that's a powerful contrast to have in the upcoming election. Now, there'll be plenty of intellectuals that uh, certainly define that and describe it and and, and that intellectual argument needs to be had. I mean, in the Trump White House, Larry Kudlow is a very positive influence who really uh, has outlined uh, the economic growth plans. He's, he's one of the uh, persons who put together Trump's tax cut that's growing the economy. And that's based on people being able to work in a, in a free market capitalist system where uh, you know they can grow the economy and it benefits them rather than having a zero-sum society that we had under, um, you know, under President Obama, where the economy didn't grow, and really the government's allocated to what you saw. And Alan, you and I were at the White House last Friday, and Kevin Hassett, the chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors, briefed us. And as he said, if you want to, if you want to really figure out what what the policy implications of socialism is. Just cut, cut production by 50%. And he pointed to Venezuela. Venezuela became a socialist country. And it was one of the leading uh, petroleum oil exporters in the world. And what happened when the government took over the oil export industry? Venezuela went down 50%. And their socialist government's on the edge of collapse. And they just can't run the economy. On the other hand, what President, President Trump is doing, where he removes regulations, uh, allows the economy to grow, um, you're seeing the United States oil production's gone up 50 percent, and we're now the leading exporter in the world of uh, oil oil exports. And at the same time, you could argue that um, the natural gas that the United States is producing has actually caused us to have greenhouse gas emissions be reduced in the United States. And that's that's all positive, and that's all the benefit of free market capitalism. So we should have this intellectual debate because it would benefit not only our country, but the world. Um, but uh, uh, you you were there when you heard the arguments, and I, I think this is a very, very, very important debate to have in this coming election. You mentioned Venezuela, and in Venezuela, the economy has ground to a halt. We have the whole nation without electricity at times, you have food shortages. Uh, reading from a report from the, the Council of Economic Advisors, just to give you an idea of what has occurred in Venezuela uh, during the course of the last 15 years, the Venezuelan state went from owning 74 public enterprises to 526. Everything from cell phones to the production in oil, which you had mentioned, John, uh, and 
those portions of the economy, which seems to be just about the entire economy, which has been touched by state ownership, have underperformed. And one of the most booming economies of Latin America uh, has come to uh, a grinding halt, and a lot of people are suffering because of it. Uh, switching hats just a bit, but still staying on the most recent poll that you did, nationwide poll. Can you talk a bit about the standing of both President Trump um, in terms of previous polls that you have done, his political standing, and also the standing of Nancy Pelosi? Absolutely. Uh in the conversation where I had him recently, where I was talking about how his his uh, uh, job approval is, is moving up, and he's, he's he's in as good a position as pre- President Reagan was probably at this point, headed when he was headed for re-election, and probably also um, also uh, uh, you know President George W. Bush, he had a fifty-one percent job approval when he got re-elected, and, and Donald Trump's at forty-nine percent, so he's not far behind. Uh, so, uh, when we talked about his job approval compared to the campaign, during our conversation, he said to me, what was my job approval on election day in 20, November 2016? And I said, it wasn't a job approval, but it was his favorable rating. And his favorable rating was, uh, was, a, uh, was, a, was in the high 30s, and his unfavorable rating was about, was about 58%. And the difference was that Hillary Clinton had a 65% unfavorable rating. Now, what you're seeing is the president, without an opponent, uh, without a direct opponent, he's got lots of opponents, right? But without, without a direct opponent, um, he has the ability and the opportunity to use his policies to, uh, uh, to move his favorability up. In contrast, the Nancy Pelosi, the majority of Americans, don't like her, and they really don't. Uh, uh, she has a 33 favorable rating and a 54 unfavorable rating. Even among Democrats, 25% of the Democrats don't like her. Uh, and it really brings unity to the Republicans, where they're unfavorable to her 78 to 14, and the independents are unfavorable to her 63 to 25. Women, she's 54 unfavorable and only 30% favorable. So Nancy Pelosi. Uh, although it's bad that she's there because she, you know, is, is doing the best she can to halt the successes of the Trump administration and to try to do all she can to see that President Trump is defeated in November 2020. It's bad that she's there, but to have a, have an opponent like that, it, it's, it's kind of a perfect opponent because the majority of Americans don't like her and they see for what she is, that she's out of touch with it, whether it's, about sanctuary cities, or, or uh, uh, forcing, you know, securing the border, um, national defense, uh, tax and economic policy spending. I mean, she's out of touch with the mainstream of America, and she she's the face of the Democrat Party right now. She's the most powerful Democrat in the country, and I think the president should feel free to, free to take her on, you know, more even more often. Because she's not going to do anything for him. And uh, during the, the shutdown earlier this year, some people were advising the president to keep the government shut down and to try to get some Democratic votes. And I was saying, aren't Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are not going to give us any votes because the presidential campaign is on. 
and they don't want President Trump to have any successes, so we might as well declare an emergency right away and do what we had, do what he just done, where uh, it is a national emergency, and uh, allocate the funds you need to build the wall and to secure the border because the Democrats aren't going to give us any help. So, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi's not doing what she can to improve America's own situation, but she may be helping to improve ours. In uh, 2018, last year, uh, throughout the year, when voters were asked, would you vote for a Democrat or a Republican for Congress, the constantly uh, a majority of people or most voters would say that they would vote for the Democrat, which, which they did in the congressional election. Did you see a change in that in the, uh, this year in 2019? Um, are people still leaning towards the Democratic Party in terms of electing people to Congress, or has that changed? Uh, it has changed, and uh, um, we were one of the ones who the Republicans had a shot uh, at trying to keep the House and the Senate. And uh, you and I have a great friend who's passed away that was a real loss to us, is Pat Cadell. And uh-huh. Pat did a survey in September of 2018 when Nancy Pelosi had a 31-0, 55-unfavorable, and we wanted the Republicans to run a Stop Pelosi campaign to keep her from taking control of the House. Well, they didn't do that. Instead, they, you know, got beat up on, well, on the defense run pre-existing conditions, on the state and local tax deductions and other things. And we were one of the ones who, who said, uh, this national survey that we're talking about, this national one that we put out every month, we said we thought the Republicans were going to lose over 30 seats in the House. They lost 40. So, uh, um, so, and it's built on a model based on 2016 where there's more Democrats in this poll than there are Republicans. But directly to the question, this month in the survey, the voters, a thousand voters across the country said that they preferred a Republican 47 to 43. And what's related to that is Donald Trump and the Republicans are getting their change message back. Because when we asked them, the bellwether question from the 2016 race, do you want to continue the policy with Barack Obama or do you want to change and move away from them? Uh, they said 49% change, 41% said they wanted to try to keep those Obama policies in place, like Obamacare and some of these other policies. So Trump is regaining his change message, and the Republicans need, uh, actually need to go along with it, but they are going along with it, where um, unlike, unlike uh, 2017 and 2018, they couldn't get their act together right away in 2017, passed the tax cuts, so they delayed that, they said they did health care, and they couldn't agree on that. So that didn't happen. They didn't get the repeal and replace Obamacare, even though a majority of Americans wanted to repeal and replace Obamacare. But now, finally, the Republicans are really getting together with the president because the vast majority of Republicans in their base support this president where they give him 90% approval ratings. So, um, so what you're seeing is a situation here where the Republicans are coming together and they are more in tune with the majority of Americans than, uh, than the Democrats are. And the Democrats are going off to the Trump derangement demolition derby in the primaries where it's being led by socialists. And in fact, when I spoke to the president, 
he asked me about who interviewed the poll would be, and one of the names he brought up was Elizabeth Warren. I said, you're not going to get her. She's in this poll we're talking about. It. I said she she was running at like four uh, percent uh, of the vote, um, you know, and and in, uh, in this poll it was five percent. So at the time she was up, to, she was at four percent. He said, well, I probably hit it too early. <laughs> I'm like thinking, no, keep it there. Maybe she'll come up. But the uh, uh, but we had Joe Biden winning in, in uh, March at twenty eight percent, but Bernie Sanders was seventeen. Then you had the the other Democrats coming along that were in double digits. You had a uh, Kamala Harris at eight, Hillary Clinton at eight, Beto O'Rourke at eight, and uh, Elizabeth Warren was at five. Um, but among liberals and the liberal and de- the Democrat Party nationally. Uh, Biden fell to 24, and Sanders went up to 20 percent, and Kamala Harris went up to 12 percent. Bill Rupp went up to 9 percent. Elizabeth Warren goes up to 7. Hillary Clinton drops at 5. So it's happening, and every all the other Democrats are like, you know, low single digits of watching uh, 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 You know, Mike Bloomberg running in the Democrat primary. I told Doug Shaw that the also, I said the problem is the Democrat tired or don't want to vote so they want to confiscate his wealth. And you have these socialists dominating the liberal primary, and they're really, you can see it, they're all moving up among the majority of Democrat primaries who are liberals, and uh, they're really running to the extreme of their party and to the extreme of the country, where in the tradition of McGovern and Bondale and Dukakis, we may see the Democrats go off the ledge of the left here on the left, places where they've never been before in terms of socialism. And uh, as they head there, um, it, it'll always be the benefit of uh, the president and if the Republicans take advantage of it, draw a clear, bright line, it should benefit the Republicans. And they may even have a shot at taking back the House. You know, um Given what you're saying, and I also noticed in the poll, which you can find on McLaughlin and Associates.com, I noticed that in the poll that the sets of issues that voters are most concerned about and most likely to vote on are economic issues. And one of the things that we heard in the briefing in the White House was that uh, Donald Trump and this economy, meaning the United States economy, has in fact uh, created 500,000 manufacturing jobs during the tenure of his presidency. And to me, that would sound like that's a great set of issues and results to run on and to run against this, uh, this movement to impose socialism in this country. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's really about, uh, you and I had an old friend who used to be in the White House with, with uh, Steve Bannon. We had all these promises about the president. And I, and I said to him, I said, look, when Republicans get reelected, it's about peace and prosperity. And the prosperity part is coming together where people, you know, you say the economy's booming, you know, they're a little skeptical because we're dealing with the people on Main Street. We have this heartland coalition. But when you tell them it's growing again, they say, yeah, they see help wanted signs. They're not worried about losing their jobs right now. They're, they're looking for better jobs, or they're getting pay raises finally. Right. Yes. 
40% saying economic issues, and 25% still said creating jobs. And what that's about is they want better paying jobs, even though unemployment is down to record lows of 4%, and you have the highest employment levels for African Americans, for Hispanics, for, uh, and more people are returning to the workforce. Um, you know, the economic uh, success is really driving it right now for the president, driving his approval. But also there's a security component where 41% of voters said uh, that should be the top priority where you have mass still protecting us from uh, terrorism. Uh, and building the wall had moved up to where 16% and it used to be, in, you know, single digits or whatever. But you, you've got a situation here where uh, events and the priorities for the country about uh, peace and prosperity coming together for the president and he is the best answer for the majority of Americans because he's proving it with results and he uh, can keep that going into a second term while with the Democrats they're going to put in policies that don't make any sense to the majority of Americans. Well, I want to thank you, John McLaughlin, for sharing your insights uh, into the political situation as well as uh, the socialism attitudes or Americans' attitude towards socialism. I thank you, and I hope that you will join us sometime in the near future as I know you conduct these national surveys on a regular basis, and our, our audience, I'm sure, will uh, enjoy hearing your insights. Thank you for listening to Code Red with Secure America Now. We are the largest national security digital platform in the nation, dedicated to bringing critical security issues to the forefront of the American debate. For more information, visit our website at www.secureamericanow.org.